Hey everybody, this is Ruben, and you're listening to Amazing Stories. We're very sorry to intrude on your grief, Mr. and Mrs. Andrassi, but if we're going to find the person who hurt your son, we've got to ask some tough questions, and we've got to ask them now. In police work, time is of the essence. What did you say your names were again? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm Detective Pike, and this is Detective Varel. You come into a house of mourning, but you don't give your first names. Is that showing respect for the dead? I'm sorry we gave that impression, sir. I'm Alvin, and and this is Frank. We introduced ourselves by our surnames and our police rank to demonstrate we're not here on a social visit, but that we're making your son's death our business. Serious police business. Frank is a nice name. Thank you, ma'am. Alvin, I don't like so much. Well, I was named after my maternal grandfather, Alvin. You know, he was an Iowa pig farmer with no former schooling, but he loved his family, you know, his church and his farm. You know, bearing his name for me is a blessing. You know, it's not a burden. I do understand, however, that not everyone favors it. My own wife-to-be says my name is too hick. She calls me Al. (laughs) What are your questions? Ask away. When did you last see Edward? Was it Thursday night? Uh, it was Thursday night. Would that be Thursday, September 19th? If that was last Thursday, then that's what it was. If you need a calendar, then you'll have to go find one. Must have been about, uh, 8 o'clock in the evening. I heard the door slam, and I looked out. Edward was walking up the street. Did he say where he was going? He never tells us anything. Edward is a grown man. But he lives here with you. He comes and goes as he pleases. Do you know where he stays when he's not at home? Edward has a lot of friends. He always had. Good-looking little youngster, too. I see his picture up there on the mantel. Very handsome, our boy. Everyone always said so. Mr. and Mrs. Andrassi, it would help us if we could take a look at Edward's room. I'm not sure Edward would want that. Well, there might be something in his room that would help us find out who hurt him. You know, Edward would want that, don't you think? Just as much as you would want that? We'll be respectful of his things. We should let him do what they need to do, Mother. I'll show you. I'll go. You should know this, Detective Pike. Edward lived in continual fear for his life. He always told us to mind our own business when we tried to straighten him out. I think our boy was trying to protect us. I left your partner in there to do what he needs to do. I don't want to be in Edward's room just now. I can still smell his hair oil. 
How is that possible? How can my son be gone, but his smell is it's still here? I um, I don't, I don't know, sir. I don't know. What did Edward need to protect you from, Mrs. Andressi? What was he afraid of? Women's husbands. There was just one father. One woman? A husband. A man came to our door about uh, two months back, saying he'd kill Eddie if he didn't stay away from his wife. <laughs> Shouting so loud all the neighbors could hear. Edward wasn't home. What was this man's name, the husband? He didn't give us his name. Would you recognize this man if you saw him again? Yes, definitely. Do you uh, think the man who came here... Doubtful. I'll check it out. What did Edward have to say about what had happened? We didn't mention it to him. He's been so much better, but he's had lapses. You mean better like the way he was before his stretch in the Warrensville workhouse? Better since his divorce. He started drinking then. He started hitting the bottle way before that, Mother. That's why they got the damn divorce in the first place. She wasn't a good wife to him. Edward had no business being a husband. He married too young. You have three sons? Our youngest, John, still lives at home. The oldest one's dead too. Killed in a fight. 22. Now John is all we got left. I truly am sorry. If you'll both excuse me, I'll go see how my partner is doing. Oh, how's it going in here, Frank? Top line, I doubt he was beheaded in this room. No blood stains I can find anywhere. I tell you, though, our victim had more hair products than a woman. His parents say he was a ladies' man. He had a habit of knocking boots with other men's wives. My guess is he regularly knocked boots with more than just ladies. Take a look at the stash mags I found under the bed. Titty mags? <laughs> Not even close. Here, take a look. Muscle mags. Maybe he was trying to get into shape after his divorce. Generally, men who oogle pictures of other men who are half-naked with their skin slick with oil while they're flexing their muscles are doing so for one reason and one reason only. Could have got a taste for it during the stint at the workhouse. Or more likely, his stint awakened an appetite that was already there. You know, our victim in all likelihood was a voracious omnivore. Whatever the hell that means. Swung both ways and enjoyed every minute of it, Frank. Did you check the tub drain? As soon as the father stepped out of earshot, nothing. Not a drop of blood, and the sink drains clean, too. Long shot, but we had to check. Maybe when we ID the second victim, this will all somehow make some kind of sense. You mean if the other victim turns out to be queer? Queer killers are often a type, homicidal hypocrites. I mean, on the surface, claiming moral outrage, but you scratch underneath and you find it's all about wanting to have a collection of muscle mags like this of their own to jerk off to. Or better yet, a muscle man of their very own. Is that what you think is behind these two murders, Alvin? Uh, could be. Unless the Lady of the Lake is connected to this case, then all bets are off. No queer killer maniac under that scenario. Unless she preferred the ladies in the biblical sense. Oh, you ever feel like 
Just like break it down and sobbing like a fucking baby in the middle of a murder victim's bedroom, Frank. Yeah. Usually when I have to notify parents that their kid is dead and I haven't had any sleep. That's gotta be it. Let's get out of here. I'm nearly asphyxiating from the smell of hair oil. I don't know. I kind of like it. Maybe I'll get a bottle of it for myself down at the drugstore. Then you won't be riding in the car with me, pal. I'm warning <laughs> you. You look a little old to be a delivery boy. Oh, I'm sorry. You are? Are those groceries for me? They're for a friend of mine. Oh, more like an acquaintance, but he's a bit under the weather, so I thought I'd pick up a few things for him. He's been staying here in this mansion. It's a rental. That's what he told me when we stopped by here last night. Care package. How very neighborly of you. What's your friend's name? I'm not sure he'd want me to say. How positively mysterious. Do you also have a name you can't reveal? Alvin Pike. And you are? I am the only one here at present. But I will be happy to take your get-well groceries in case your unnamed friend shows up. Has anyone ever told you that you look a lot like that actress, Vivian Lee? Every day. I style my hair this way purposely, to emphasize the resemblance. Now, I thought women preferred to be unique, you know, one of a kind. And please excuse me if I'm being too familiar. I only know what my fiancé tells me about how women think. I take it you're intended as a petite, busty blonde in her 20s. <laughs> how did you know that? Because those cupy doll babes are a dime a dozen here in the Midwest. Those I know take great pains to stand up from the bunch. Blondes are unapologetic attention seekers. You are a brunette. I rest my case. But if you don't mind me saying so, you're an eye-catcher. Maybe more so than most blondes. I mean, I bet you turned every head in the Hotel Cleveland lobby this morning when you sashayed out the front doors like you owned the place. I didn't see you there. But I saw you, Miss, uh... Nice try, Alvin Pike. The way I see it, you're one of two things. You're either a high-class call girl servicing the big shots at the Hotel Cleveland, or you're some kind of female agent with the Treasury Department working under Elliot Ness. A whore or a fed? <laughs> hmm. Quite an interesting choice between two alternatives. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Since you didn't slam the door in my face in offended outrage, I figure I'm probably right. Thank you for the groceries. If I see your friend, I'll tell him you stop by. If you can excuse my familiarity, Alvin Pike... You look a little tired. You have purplish smudges under both your eyes. A lack of sleep causes that in your weaving on both your feet. But yet, you took the time to fetch some groceries to an acquaintance who's under the weather. That touches me. You can call me Virginia. But only when we're alone. I'll remember to do that, Virginia. I look forward to meeting you again. Everyone does, Alvin Pike. Good day. I'd like to make a collected call to a residence in Red Oak, Iowa. Who shall I say is calling? 
Alvin. Yes, I will. Go ahead, please. Hi, honey. Oh, Alvin, I've been so worried. I thought you would call long before now. Yeah, I'm sorry. I bus got in late, so I went straight to meet with the detectives. We met in a diner near Central Station. Are you calling from the hotel? No, I'm at a payphone. Why are you using a payphone? In case they bugged the phone in the room. Probably not, but better be over-cautious than not cautious enough. You really think they would do that? If they thought doing so would yield information they're looking for, I do. What do they want from you? I think they're on a fishing expedition. They haven't zeroed in on anything specific except for Gus Frain. They've asked a lot of questions about him. Oh, Alvin. I didn't tell them anything they don't already know. Like my life depended on it. Those days have been coming back to me, honey. Like it was yesterday. I'm remembering details I didn't know I forgot. Are you sad? More like nostalgic. If it all ends now, I want you to know the best part of me is you, honey. Always has been. I'm so grateful for the years we've had together. I wouldn't trade them for anything on this earth, even for more time. You mustn't say things like that. Everything will be all right. You can handle whatever they throw at you. Remember what you told me before you left? Nobody ever got the drop on Alvin Pike when he was on the job, and nobody ever will. We'll talk when you get back home. All right. I love you, honey. Even more now than when we first got married. I love you too. More than ever. You know I'm in song. This is a man what a man shot my palm. Can you turn the music down for a minute? Joe. Yeah, what is it? I finished reading the torso murder summary overview. That was fast. Took a speed reading course a couple years back. They said President Kennedy could read twelve hundred words a minute. I'm close to that now. A lot of good it did him in the end. Hey, don't make light, Joe. I'm still raw. It hasn't even been a year. I'm sorry. The summary. It, it raises more questions than it does answers. I don't see it yet. The, the multiple killer angle. You will. And you're sure about Pike being involved in one of the killings? As sure as I'm sitting here in front of you. But I don't want to lead you like a horse to water, Ed. I'd rather you found your own way to my conclusion. Fresh eyes on cold cases fucking priceless. Okay. Well... I'll keep an open mind. But Pike, he said he didn't see Gus Frayne again until the following January. That's what he said. January, 1936. That's, that's when more body parts were found in a bushel basket behind Hart's Manufacturing Company. All hail the butcher. For that's when our homicidal maniac was officially christened. January 1936. Within a matter of days of the discovery of victim number four, all of Cleveland was whispering his nickname like it was an incantation to ward off the devil. But in retrospect, the butcher was just getting started. It gets worse before it gets better. It never gets better, Ed. But maybe now, finally, after all these years, we'll get the opportunity to strap someone to old Sparky and flip the switch so we can fry. At least for one of the butcher's crimes. 
but not the butcher himself. Like I said, butchers, plural. It's my fervent hope that Alvin Pike never gets on a bus headed back to Iowa. I'd like to escort him first to jail, then to court, then to death row myself. Ohio switched to lethal injection last year. I know, it kind of takes the drama out of putting a killer to death, doesn't it? The electric chair had a certain theatricality that a needle in the arms can't replace. Dead is still dead, Joe. Unless someone cuts off your head and your penis while you're still breathing. That's a whole different level. Sounds like you're taking the butcher's crimes personally. Read the rest of the files and then tell me you don't take the murders personally. Cleveland Butcher was a sadist through and through. If he doesn't curdle your water, nothing ever will. He had to have been insane. Morally insane, but not crazy. As steady as they come. Evil, in my experience, is as cold as ice. You sound like you figured out who the butcher is. I've got clear ideas about who all five of the killers were. But yeah, the butcher who beheaded the two victims found at the bottom of Jackass Hill in 35, that's the killer that history has infamously dubbed the butcher of Kingsbury Run. He's the worst of them all. The one stone-cold psychopath of the bunch. And if I'm right, he's still very much alive. You want to fill me in? Keep reading, son. I'm like a blind detective dependent on your fresh eyes to lead me to the promised land. That's nearly five. Then let's go rouse an old man out of a sound sleep and shake some of the cobwebs loose. If the geezer doesn't tell us what we want to know, we can always sweat him in the box. Pike will fold eventually, I guarantee it. It's only a matter of time. Crooked River is created by Dave Beasley and Cassie Wells. Starring Zachary Ray Sherman, Jeff Tendall, Miles Sullivan, Andrew Garrett, Albie Selznick, Stephanie Myers, Levi Petrie, Joseph Covino, Glenn Payne, Nate Ward, Taylor Jury Scorse, Jessica Andres, Dave Huber, Gail Trudeau, Raphael Goldstein, and Alexandra Vaughn. Post-production sound by Joe Morales and Elf Tree Studio. A Haywood production. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to join us tomorrow for yet another amazing story.